uh, start a, a new year. I don't, I don't know how you feel about the whole new year resolution, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, everybody celebrates a little different tonight. Um, there's going to be a lot of folks that um, are celebrating. You know, in America, we drop a ball. I mean, that doesn't sound like a big deal, does it? But that's what we do. Um, in Australia, they shoot off fireworks. Uh, everybody has, you know, which I think is kind of cool. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, everybody does it different. Everybody celebrates it different. And, you know, I know people who make resolutions, and I know people who don't believe in making resolutions, and I know people who just treat it as another day. But I thought this morning what I'd do is we'd, we'd stop for a little bit and we'd look back in history and we kind of look at it as how it was celebrated in the time of Christ. Um, and so we're going to go into some Jewish history and you've got to hang with me for a little bit because a lot of it is Jewish history and Jewish tradition. <clears throat> but it would have been what was practiced at the time of Christ. It would have been the way that Jesus and the disciples would have celebrated this, this a, a new year. And then I want to draw some parallels to us in, in American culture and some Bible principles that I think will help us as we head into a new year. Next week, uh, we will be back in the book of Nehemiah. But um, this week, I, I just want to spend a little time talking about um, the Jewish, in, in the Jewish world and how they approach it because I think there's a lot of really great lessons for us. Um, the Jewish New Year um, is called Rosh Hashanah. Okay? Uh, it's celebrated 163 days after um, Pentecost, uh, so it's constantly changing. It usually falls, the earliest is, is early September. Um, and Rosh Hashanah in the Jewish calendar is a very big day. Um, it's part of a series of festivals in the Jewish calendar, uh, culminating in the greatest Jewish day, the Day of Atonement. So the way it works in a, in a Jewish world, Leviticus is, here's the passage in, in Leviticus, which uh, actually lays a groundwork for it. It says, Speaking to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month of the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath, a memorial blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. This was the Jewish idea. The Jews took this passage right here and developed what they called Rosh Hashanah around it. You're not going to find that in the Bible. You're not going to find Rosh Hashanah in the Bible. Um, but when you study Jewish history, what you're going to find is that there were, it was the second holiest day in the Jewish world. Um, what they would do is when they came to a, the beginning of a new year, they would set this day up and um, they, would, they would celebrate this day. I'll talk about how they did that in a minute. Then they would have what were called the Ten Days of Awe, and we'll talk about what that means, and then they would have the Day of Atonement, okay? So, again, this is not Bible, this is Jewish history, and it's what would have been practiced at the time of Christ, and then we're going to draw some New Testament parallels to it. But here's, here's the way it would work. Um, in Rosh Hashanah, what they believed is that on that day, God took out three books. Um, in the first book, was the book of, uh, of life, so to speak. And what it meant was, if your name was written in that book, it meant that you were going to be given another year to live. You were guaranteed that year to live. Then there were people who didn't make that book, and they were, get, they were put into, the, into a third book that was the book of people who were going to die that, day, that year. Okay? So you weren't going to make it that year. And then there was a second book, and that was kind of this free-for-all. This group that God hadn't decided yet. Now, on the Day of Atonement, those three books were going to be sealed, okay? And the people who were in the middle book were going to go one of the other two books. So what they had was they had what they called ten days of awe. 
And during the first 10 days of a new year, you examined your life, you examined your life before God, and you made everything right so that the hope would be that God would put you in the book of life, that first book, so that you would have that year. And if you couldn't please God in those 10 days of all, you went into that third book, and your life was going to end that year, okay? So in the Jewish world, when they came to a new year, it was serious business. It was a serious time when you stepped back and first of all, you looked at yourself and you went, oh man, I hope I got another year. And if you had done a bunch of questionable stuff, you made it all right in those next 10 days of all. Um, And so that was the practice. Now, on Rosh Hashanah, they did a lot of stuff. They had a lot of uh, again, they would meet, they would have a blowing of trumpets was a big deal. There were a, uh, typically, there were like a hundred notes that were blown. Often they would read a passage of the scripture and blow the shofar and, and, and read another passage and blow it and read it and blow it and read it and blow it. And then um, it often involved going into a river. Um, what they would do is they would, they would walk in the middle of a river and um, they would empty out their pockets. So they'd take the, you know, they had robes on, not jeans, but um, they would take and they'd empty out their pockets and let it all jump into the river. Um, they would often have uh, bread in their pockets where as they would dump it into the river, the bread would float down the river. And here was the idea. The idea was, let's get rid of all of our sin. Let's get rid of all our stuff. Um, let's, let's, let's not carry it with us in our new year. Let's make ourselves right with God. Let's get on God's good side. That was kind of the concept behind it. Then they would eat um, apple. They would take a piece of apple and they would eat apple and they would put honey on it. And it was the idea of having a sweet, good year. Um, and it was a common greeting Um, to a person on Rosh Hashanah to say this, may you be sealed for a good year. So in other words, what we would do if we were Jewish today, we we wouldn't agree to everybody, hey, hi, how are you doing? I'd be shaking your hand saying, may you be sealed for a good year. I hope you're on the good list. You know, I hope you're on the good list. To some of you, I'd just go, you know, good luck. Um, You know, um, but I mean, you know, I mean, really, it, it was one of those things where, <clears throat> that's kind of the concept. That was the concept. The concept was, was I, I really hope that you've got everything right with God. I really hope that you're on God now. Again, we don't believe that. That's not the God that we believe in. But that's the God that the Jews within their religious system had orchestrated. This God that would do that, 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 that was that way. And, and so for them, as you headed into a new year, there was a seriousness about a new year. That, you know, like I say, for some of us, it's like, you know, why do I make a resolution? I'm going to lose it anyway. Why do I even try? It's just another date on the calendar. I'm going to be frustrated for the next two weeks trying to write. You know, it used to be able to say, write the number on a check. Nobody writes checks anymore. Um, you know, but you've got to change everything over. And you know what I mean? It's that idea of, you know, for, so, for some of us, it's just another day. But in a Jewish world, this is a big deal. This is a really big deal. Um, Modern-day Jewish uh, customs, there's usually a casting-off ceremony, which is similar to the emptying of the pockets of the river, the idea of let's get rid of the stuff that, that, that is a sin in, in our lives. Um, in the modern day, actually, they got to the point that they wouldn't eat nuts. And this is where it gets really, really goofy. Um, and there's two reasons. One, one group says that the reason you don't eat nuts because it distracts you from focusing on, on, on your life and, and getting things right with God. One group says that the reason that you don't eat nuts is because the Hebrew numerical equivalent of the word nuts is sin, and therefore you don't want anything to do with sin, so we don't eat nuts. Um, 
which I think is kind of nuts. But anyway, um, that's kind of the idea. You know how it goes. You know how you can develop traditions and you can do stuff without ever thinking about why you're doing stuff and really know why you're doing stuff? And, and you don't want to get to that point either. So that's the Jewish idea, okay? And so at the time of Christ, this would have been the, the common practice. This would have been something that they celebrated. This would have been kind of the way they did stuff. So you say, okay, well, you know, first of all, oh, the other thing was this. Um, they would often eat something from the head of an animal, usually tongue, um, because the idea was it was the head or the start of a new year. Um, I'm just glad I'm not Jewish, uh, because, you know, there's no, there's no part of the head that's appealing to me to eat. I'm, I'm just, I cannot think of one part of it that I go, oh, that would be awesome to try. Um, that's just me. Maybe you're different. But anyway, so here's the idea. The idea is that these people would celebrate this idea, and they would celebrate it by really talking and taking a step back and looking at their lives before God and, 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 and really evaluating relationships and, and where they stood before God and accountability and all that kind of thing as they headed into New Year. I think there's some principles there that help us. And I think they're tied to some New Testament ideas. We do not believe that God has a book that's got like good and bad, and because you are bad, you don't get another year. We don't believe that concept of, of God. I, I'll talk a little bit about what I do believe about life and death in a minute. But um, here's a couple of things. I, I want to take this and look at it because I think some of these principles that tie, uh, apply to us as far as past, present, and future. Okay? Um, so let's talk about the past. Let's talk about everything before today. Um, I, I think the Jewish idea of casting stuff off is a really healthy idea. The idea of getting rid of some stuff. And, and, and I want to I draw an interesting analogy. Listen to Hebrews chapter 12. Here's what it says. Um, Hebrews chapter 12 follows Hebrews chapter 11. Okay? So Hebrews chapter 11 is a great faith chapter of the, of, of the New Testament. You know, about talks about, you know, without faith it's impossible to please God. talks about all the saints that... That, that with faith did this, and faith did that, and faith did... We come to chapter 12, and here's what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Here's what's interesting. The book of Hebrews is written to Jews. So the idea of casting off weight of sin, Rosh Hashanah. We do that every year. Every year we do that. We understand what it means to cast off stuff. Wait, we understand what it means to get rid of sin. But notice what he says in that passage. He says, cast off what? Every weight that slows us down. He makes a distinction between weights and sin. And I think that's important because what he's saying is this. Look, there are things in your life, they're not sin. They will not fit in the category of sin, but they would fit in the category of weights. They would fit in the category of things that slow you down, things that are not helping you, things that are not beneficial to you. And I think that it's important that we in the American culture really step back and, and ask ourselves some hard questions. Because I think what happens in the American culture is we get so wrapped up in this world and the system and the way that it works that we start adding things to our schedule without asking ourselves, is it smart to add this to our schedule? It's not sin, but is it a weight that we really don't need? You, know, you talk to anybody who's in competitive sports. 
What's a big thing? If you're a runner, let's, what do we do? We try to get our shoes as light as possible. We try to get our equipment as light as possible. Why? We don't want anything that's going to slow us down. Um, you talk to swimmers, you know? I mean, swimmers now, competitive swimmers, they shave their heads because they don't want hair to slow them down. I mean, I love to swim. And, and, I, and you know, that's, that's my routine. That's what I do. But I'm not coming in bald. I don't want to swim that fast, you know? Um, and, and like I say, you know, um, um, bicycle people, bicycle people, cyclists, I mean, they're trying to get that bike as light as possible. Why? Because they don't want it to slow them down. They don't want the bike to be the reason they're slower, they have a slower speed. I think it would help us as Christians to take a look at the things that we've been doing this last year and say, are there some weights, are there some things that I just need to push aside? Are there some things that need to move to the bottom of my schedule rather than staying at the top of my schedule? I, I like what one guy said. We are, we are so driven in our world by the urgent that we forget what's important. And I see this in my world all the time because I deal with a lot of older people. When I talk to older people and they're coming to the end of their lives and their, their life is starting to get and, and you and they start to tell you what's important to them. You know, when my dad, I listened to my dad five, ten years before he passed away. Every time I meet with him, tell me about all of his regrets. About how he did what was urgent because he worked for Texaco. And Texaco always wanted more time. Texaco always wanted more stuff from him. And he felt bad because he missed out on what he thought was important in his relationship with me. And I used to say, Dad, I got no regrets. I, I, I'm okay with it. But he beat himself up. To the day he died, he beat himself up that he didn't do what was important and spend time with his family instead of his career. And I decided it ain't going to be my story. And, and I want to challenge you because I think what happens in our culture, and I think Satan's great tool in, in 2018 is going to be this. He's going to get you so busy you can't think about what's important. And so what's happening, and all you're going to do is spin your wheels going from urgent to urgent to urgent to urgent to urgent. And you're the one that's going to have to step in and say, wait a minute, this is what's important. This is where we're going to focus. And, and I want to challenge you because is it sin? No. Is it a weight that's not helping you? Yes. And so I think that that, that concept that the, the Jewish people had of casting stuff off is a phenomenal concept for us as we had in the new year. There's the idea, too, um, of the present. And I think sometimes we forget, um, you know, we, we, we miss this um, because I think sometimes we get so, so tied up with stuff. The Jewish people on Rosh Hashanah did... did they took a piece of apple and they put honey on it and they ate it and it was a reminder to them of a sweet, good year. I think we need to get back to the point where we get up every day and realize and appreciate the gift that we have in front of us. Bottom line is this, you and I, you and I both know it. This whole thing could turn on a dime tomorrow. But here's the thing you have today you have this moment you have this day and i think sometimes we forget that and we forget to take advantage and make the most of the day that we have we forget to step back and say you know what i'm going to enjoy this day i'm going to appreciate i'm going to savor it 
I'm going to get the best I can out of it. Yeah, it may not be a great day. There may be a whole lot of things that go wrong this day, but I'm going to find the best in the day for me. I'm going to appreciate what I have. I'm going to value what I have. And if it ends today, I'm okay. And I think in that Jewish idea of taking that, that, that apple and that, that honey was a reminder to them that life can be sweet. Life can be enjoyable. They were eating in the hopes that the new year would be that way. But the idea is to make the most and the best of what you have. James, uh, James chapter uh, 4 says it this way. And you know this. Look here, you say today, tomorrow, we're going to go to a certain town. We're going to be there a year. We'll do business and we'll make a profit. How do you know what life will be tomorrow? Your life's like a morning fog. Here a little, that's gone. You've got to say if the Lord wants us to, we'll live to do this or that. Look, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I know this. I have an opportunity today to be with you and to try to be a blessing here. I have an opportunity today to go home and be a blessing to my wife. I have an opportunity today to go home and try to be a blessing to my kids who are coming over to eat because that's what they do now. Um, I have an opportunity to do that. Okay, I have an opportunity to do that. I have an opportunity this morning. I got up this, or this morning or last night. I don't know. I think it was this morning. got up this morning and saw that one of my old, old, he's old now, but um, he had a big influence on my Christian journey when I was in fourth, fifth, sixth grade. He posted a picture back from the 70s of him and my old youth pastor, who I haven't seen for 40 some odd years, 45, maybe almost 50 years. So you know what I intend to do today? You know how I intend to end the end, end of this year? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to instant message Phil McEwen and say, hey, Phil, you may not ever remember me, but I was a sixth grader in your youth group 45 years ago. Here's where I am now. Here's what God's doing. And it's a, because you were a youth pastor 45 years ago, and I want you to know you made a difference. You know what that's going to cost me? Five, ten minutes of time. That's it. But I have today to be able to do that. Oh, you know, do it tomorrow when you... Oh, no, no, no. I don't know that I'll get to do it tomorrow. I don't know that tomorrow will be my option to be able to do that, but I know today is. And so, make the most of the day you've got. Because you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. The other application is for the rest of the year, for the future ahead of you. It goes something like this. Listen to the passage. Um, uh, what's the last one? I got up there. Romans chapter 12, I think, guys. Yeah, 14. So in every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. There's a day coming that we stand before God in the future. And we give an account for the day that we have, for the life that we've lived. You've got to be ready for that. You've got, to know what you want. You've got to know what you want your life to have accomplished. I want to challenge you because I think sometimes we forget this. We spend all of our time running around trying to please people. We spend all of our time trying to do things. What are you going to change that's going to make a difference in the future? Uh, I saw a great thing. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Take a couple areas of your life and work on one thing this year. Just one thing. Um, I, I'm one of those that I've got to be kind of single-minded in my focus on stuff because I... I have that ADHD thing. I can get sidetracked really easy. Um, you know, oop, there's a rabbit. You know, I, that's me, okay? 
That's me. Um, I, I, it's really easy for me to do. Uh, so when I head into a new year, I, I try to look at my personal life and I try to look up for one thing. One thing I want to do different this year. <clears throat> um, this is going to sound crazy. You know what it is? You want to know what my one thing for the year is? Personally, I want to handle a piece of paper one time. It's my goal this year. You don't say, what? No, because, you know, I'm one of those people that I get the mail, and I move the mail to here, and I kind of look through it as I'm going through it, and then I, then I, then I take the mail, and I, I, I look through that, and I go, okay, that's not that. You know, I'll go put this on my desk over here, and then, okay, I'll go take that to church, and then they get piled up at the church, and then I go through them again. and go, okay, I need to put it into this box now, and then, no, one time. My goal is to have most of it in the trash before I get it in the house. <laughs> you know, why? Because here's what I found. You know what? That's a way, that's something that I, I'm amazed at how much time. You know, somebody gets me an email, and I, okay, I'll get to it later. No, no, no. What, because I, I got to do like three things that I have to do before. Like, for instance, right now we're doing the directory, Okay. You know what I used to do? I used to like let all that stuff back up and then I try to go through all the emails. You email right now and you got a new picture. You know what the first thing I do right away is? I have I deal with it one time. Click, boom, 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 done, post, done. That's my goal for this year. I don't know. I, I, maybe I'll only do it till next week, but I, that's my goal. It's my one thing I'm going to try to do. Why? Because it just, it, I look at my life and it's how, it's, I, why am I dealing with it three, four, five, six times when I can deal with it once and be done if I'll take the time up front? Marriage-wise, one thing. One thing. You know what I, I read a, a deal this week on marriage. One of the things it said is, you know, here's ways to improve your marriage. Um, and it had a whole bunch of great suggestions. One of the suggestions, watch your tone. didn't say watch what you say, it said watch your tone. That's a whole nother level of marriage. When you start going, okay, every time I speak to my spouse, I'm going to watch my tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah Don, Don, I love it. Yeah, yeah, we're all laughing, buddy. Um, you know, I just know how hard that is. Um, uh, here's one I really love. Here's one I really love. For every criticism, give them five praises. If you had to stop, every time you criticize your spouse, if you had to stop and go, okay, now i got to say five good things about you, you would stop criticizing really, really fast. Um, you know, I, one of the things that I said is said, it play and dream together. You know, just look, you know what it is in your marriage. You know what it is in your relationship. One thing. One thing that will make this year better than last year. In your job, one thing. One thing that you need to change, one thing that you need to do, one thing that you need to improve for your job. Maybe it's the way you talk to your boss. Maybe it's the way you interact with your employees. One thing, one thing. Because you see, every one of us is going to stand and give an account for God. Not for what people did with what we did, but for what we did with what we had. And you want to be able to stand before God and, and say, you know what, I did the best with it. No regrets. You know, that, that's, my, that's my goal as a pastor. That's my goal as a husband. My goal as a father, that's my goal as a person, is I want to come to the end of my life and go, you know what, no regrets. Are there things I'd change? Sure. Are there things I'd do different? Yeah. Are there things I could have done better? You bet. But no regrets. Because I deal with so many people that they come to their life, they've got all of these things that they say, I wish I would have, could have, should have. And I don't want that to be my story. 
Um, I, I've watched too many people make plans that when they retired, they were going to travel. When they retired, they were going to do this. When they retired, they are going to do that. Spend time with their spouse. Go to all these places. And then health, death, whatever else, put an end to that. And they never got to do it. I told my wife and I, that will not be our story. When we get a chance to go and do something, we're going to go do it now. We're not going to wait till that one day that may come because here's the idea. I don't know if I have the rest of this year or not. I don't know if 2018 is going to be the year God calls me home. And if it is, you need to know. No regrets. No regrets. Everybody has different beliefs about life and death. And here, I'm going to tell you what I believe from the Bible, and you can deal with it on your own. But I believe there's a, God specifically has a time to be born long before your parents ever thought about you. So I believe there's a definite time that you were going to be born. And I believe God has a definite time for you to die. Um, and, and I believe that's in the hand of God. Now, I can't explain the next part of it that I believe, but I believe that that can be lengthened by God, and that can be shortened by you. Okay? I believe, I believe the Old Testament teaches that sometimes God will grant you longer days. And I believe the New Testament teaches that sometimes your actions shorten the time that, that, that God has you here. I believe that's what's taught in Corinthians. And I can't reconcile those two. But all I can say is this. I believe that you have a time, and this year might be the year. 2017 today, 2018 tomorrow. I don't know. God does. The idea that you can make a difference today and that you and I can stand before God next year should be sobering to us to think about how we live. Because, see, life is not about you. It's not about me. Life is about my relationship with Jesus Christ and how God can use me to be a light and a testimony to those around me. And if you haven't figured it out yet, you interact with a world that desperately needs Christ. And you and I have that opportunity to share that with them. And when I stand before God, I don't want there to be any regrets. Again, I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying there's things I wouldn't do different. I'm not saying, but I, I don't want to stand before God and go, you know what? I wish I would have been a better husband. Wish I would have been a better dad, better pastor, better person, better human being. I don't want to be my story. So I'm just working on changing one thing a year and eventually allow God to use me as God wants to use me. And God wants to do the same thing with everybody here today. So I end with this. As you start a new year, may you get rid of things that are not helping you in your Christian walk. May you learn to appreciate each day as a sweet gift from a loving God. May you live a life today that has no regrets so that when you stand before your God, you will have no regrets. And as my Jewish friends would say, may each of you be inscribed for a good year. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, help us. It's easy sometimes to get so caught up in the system of this world. Lord, it's easy sometimes to get so caught up in all the things demanding our attention that we really not take the time to stop and ask ourselves what's really important. Lord, would you help us as we head into this new year to take a step back? 
to look at things that we need to get rid of, things that, Lord, are not necessarily wrong, but they're just not healthy and, 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 and Lord, good for us in our Christian walk in the way that you use us. Lord, for some of the things in um, our lives, Lord, that we need to change, would you just help us to work on that one thing in those areas? And Lord, when it is all said and done, should this be the year, Lord, that you call us home? Lord, may we be able to stand before you with a clear conscience, knowing, Lord, that we did the best we had with the opportunities and talents and gifts we were given. And Lord, may it be the goal of each one of us to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Use us, Lord, and we'll give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's